we'll begin. I'll tell you how I'm doing because I'm a very happy man. I Uh-oh. found, yeah, I found an Anejo shark, which oh. very hard to find. Very, very, as far as domestic cigars go, one of the hardest ones to find. <laughs> so what's, I, that, uh, what's that run per unit, Mike? They're not that expensive, which is the beauty of it. The Anejo Shark is rare, but unlike most of the Fuente cigars, they don't actually try to charge you like $50. You know, the Fuente family, they're great marketers and they'll do, you know, the God of Fire or the Don Carl. They're very, very smart. Carlito. They even have an Ernest Hemingway cigar. Yeah, yeah. They're beautiful. They're, um, They're the best marketers ever. Carlito Fuentes is an inspiration of mine in terms of marketing. I was, I think they had a, a documentary, a short film they did. This is how ahead of the time. Let's just talk about Carlito Fuentes and, and why he's an amazing uh, man. He's older now, but when I got into cigars 10, 15 years ago, they would, they, they got me and I, I, w- I didn't have much money at the time. I was probably still in law school and they got me to buy an Opus X like silver and a glass <laughs> tube. And it was like 30 bucks. And it was, right. first, it was, it was actually an amazing cigar, don't get me wrong, but it came with its own propaganda video, a DVD on the, the Fuentes, and they came up with this and the logos for the Opus X. And it was such an engrossing experience that I forever fell in love with the Fuente brand of cigars and domestic cigars. I generally only smoke three, uh, Padron, Fuente, and Avo. Uh, Davidoff sometimes, but um, I've been a Fuente guy since. And the Anejo is the Opus X, fill- as you know, the three parts of a cigar, filler, binder, wrapper. And the Anejo has a filler and the binder is the same tobacco as the Opus X, but the wrapper is a dark Connecticut shade grown wrapper. It's a beautiful cigar. It's aged in cognac. I don't know if we can zoom in and you can just get Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, the texture. Yeah, they're they're super hard to find, and they're not like the usual, like usually, this is the one rare cigar the Fuentes don't really, I don't want to use the word gouge, but you can get these for, you know, 12 to 14 bucks if you find the right shop, and it it does not taste like the 12 to $14 cigar. It really is the absolute. What is the, what's the full name of that? Because I know Fuente likes to give their cigars about 18 names, you know. Well, this one's simple. This is, um, well, yeah, this is, um. So Arturo Fuente, Anejo, Reserva Extra Viejo, number 77, because it has the square gauge. So it's a 77-gauge cigar. But real aficionados will know that this is the Anejo Shark. They're very hard to find. If anybody's watching and they can find these for about $12 a box or whatever, buy the box. Send, to, uh, send them to us and we'll, we'll love you forever as friends. That's right. We'll, we'll uh, go on the beach or something, go back to the Ritz-Carlton and smoke a few of those. They, really, they our, really are a great cigar. Where we did our Pappy Van Winkle uh, episode. Is that ever going to air? You know what? That, that just went live yesterday. Perfect. Yeah. So we're, we're up and running on that. I think our, uh, our guys are working on some snippets for us. So we'll get those out there. Um, and uh, But the yeah, episode is up fully now. Episode is up. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. So going back to uh, Fuente, he, they, they do have an excellent marketing program. I, I just saw a cigar actually that, that made me, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of the way that uh, Fuente markets their, their stuff because 
this in this dovetails with what we did on our last episode with the Pappy Van Winkle. So these guys, and I'm not even sure which manufacturer it was, but somebody went out and they purchased Pappy Van Winkle barrels, and now they're aging the tobacco inside the Pappy Van Winkle so barrel. Yep, and then they're wrapping it in, you know, like some kind of shaving or something from the barrel itself. And they're a Pappy Van Winkle cigar. Now, I don't know if those are out yet. I think that was a coming soon type deal. But uh, you talk about great marketing and, uh, you know, dovetailing with something else that's an iconic brand. And Fuente is certainly uh, good. I mentioned that they have that Ernest Hemingway cigar, which I think is one of their best sellers. Um, but a great way to, uh, you know, grab some uh, market share by uh, dovetailing or what is it? What do they call that in, in uh, the social media world? News jacking? Well, they, they, yeah. So they, yeah, they have the Hemingway, which does well. They're, they're, they're regular off the, off the shelf ones. The Chateau Fuente family cigars are good. And, and that, what I love about the Fuente family is I, I love this marketing thing because for me, it's always the same way. They have a very inexpensive entry point. You can buy a good Fuente cigar for, not in California because of the tobacco tax, but you can buy a good Fuente cigar for six, seven bucks, most parts of the, of the country. Sure. In California, eight, nine bucks, you need a Chateau Fuente. And they're very, very good cigars. But if you really want to go to the, you know, super premium, they have uh, super premium experiences too. And that's always been sort of my marketing perspective is hey i got an ebook 10 bucks i have podcasts your people are listening to us free we have events right. events might be 300 bucks thousand you know th there's all multi-entry points but there's always there's always a an entryway and then there's always a premium experience and i think the biggest mistake most people make even though i hate the term creator is they don't think of a platinum experience they only think of because here you can, you know, you, and you can, you can speak to this yourself, but I, I was told this years ago and I didn't believe it. And it's true. It takes as much time to sell something for $5 as it does for $500. Same process, objection, everything's the same. And most people, they spend all their time thinking about selling their lowest value good. And you need to think more about how can I create a platinum good and find the people who really want that platinum experience and something I wish I'd have learned not when I was 41. I wish I'd learned that when I was 31. Well, I'll tell you that that's interesting because I, one of the things it's, it's somewhat of a passion of mine is I do, you know, obviously I love the real estate space. I personally am not, um, I, I got completely burnt out on the brokerage space of being a, a real estate agent, a real grind. But I do, I actually have a client who I'm coaching right now that is a very successful realtor. And I go in and help them set up processes and teams and things like that. But, you know, one of these discussions I was just having um, with uh, this lady was, it takes you just as long here in the San Francisco Bay Area, it takes you just as long to sell a $190,000 condo. Now, yes, we still have condos. Uh, about an hour outside of San Francisco that sell for 190 grand, but it takes her just as long and just as much paperwork and just as much headache, if not more headache, to sell a $190,000 condo as a $2.3 you know, million house. It's the same paperwork. It's the same process. It's the same handholding, everything. So 
you know, why would you market or why would you try to go on the low end and try to make it up in volume uh, when you can do, you know, a handful of fewer transactions, give better customer service and, you know, have a more enjoyable life. So there, there's yeah. a lot of truth to that. It is just as difficult to sell a $500 ticket as it is a $150 ticket. And you, you know that probably better than anyone with the amount of events that you do and have put on. Yeah, there and there's the Fuentes family. Fuentes family, they really they have it down. And then of course, now what I don't say complicated it, but when you you want to build your skills on the lower, if you're selling, you want to sell low dollar widgets because the margin of error uh, of blowing it is a lot less. So if you're selling smaller things and you make a mistake, you, you might lose out a five hundred bucks. Or the, the mistakes are a lot less expensive. And then you learn your processes and work your way up the food chain. But most people never make that jump. And even me, even me, I, I wouldn't say I was reluctant, but I just didn't know these things because it's very hard to learn these things. I was at Barnes and Noble. One of my favorite activities is to walk around and look at books and just find a book cover that stands out, right? I just look, I, I've looked at tens of thousands of book covers that's why mine are so good. Because now, are you doing this for entertainment, or is this actually like a learning experience for future books that you're gonna you're gonna do to see well, what pops in your mind? Luckily for me, there's no disconnect between what entertains me, and what I enjoy, and what I do. And just like this podcast, I like talking to you. If I didn't like talking to you, I wouldn't do the podcast, right? Um, it's very nice, but it took a long time for me to get to this point. And you learn a lot from book covers. And you want a book because me, everything I do, like Gorilla Mindset is, a, is art. Audacity, the book covers art. Hoax, movie, the, the covers is art. You could hang this up in your wall, uh, on, the, on the wall. So I like to look at book covers. But then I was looking for just a really good business book that talks about what we talk about. It just doesn't really exist. I, I wish it did. I've, I've read so many of them. Most of them are you know, how to be a better employee or high level process or even some kind of management tips, but there's no book on, like, I want a book. I'm a grinder, right? I, right. I, I don't, I don't need somebody to give me a pep talk. It's going to be okay, Sonny. You know, a lot of people, especially young men these days are kind of lost and I don't want to denigrate their experience, but I don't need that. I just need a book like, okay, I'm a grinder. Give me a checklist. What do I need to do? And unfortunately, well, I think, you know, that's interesting you bring that up. I, I, I'm going to tell you personally, that's always been a struggle of mine with my employees is I am a type A personality. I want to throw out, do this, do this, do this, do this. Okay, here's the five things to do, right? And not everybody learns like, like that. But, but you're, you're right on. If there was a book that just had, hey, go here, do this, go here, do this. You got to do this, go there, do this, do that. And you really don't have that. You've got a lot of fluff, a lot of make me feel good, a lot of motivation and a lot of things. And not everybody learns like that. But I think you and I are very similar in that way. We just want the nuts and bolts. And, you know, if you want a friend, then, you know, go pet a dog. Yeah, exactly. I don't need a book to say, um, I don't need a book to tell me, hey, who moved my cheese, right? Or, you know, management challenge. <laughs> I just want a book that says, like if, if, like, if I wanted to get into real estate, I would want a book to say, Here's how many people you're going to have to call to make a sale. Here's what your conversion rate. Here's what a sales process is. Here's 10 checklists. Here's the 10 most common objections that they're going to raise. Here's why people don't buy. Here's when to abandon a client. Da, 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 da. And I'd be like, okay, just upload the information to my brain, and then I'll go do it. And, and by the way, that's the crowd that I usually 
attract and all the podcasts and stuff. People want to like argue with me. What about, I'm like, you just do it or don't do it. Just, just right. do it or don't do no, it. No, I mean, that's, that's where you have to get to, right? It's either take the advice and, and do the stuff or don't do the stuff, right? I mean, because it's not for everybody. And yeah, you know, that's always, yeah. that's always been a struggle for me. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to spend a half an hour arguing with people. I'm like, okay, bro, I have a half an hour. I could go talk to 50,000 people right now doing something else. And you want to argue with me, nitpick some little thing. So I just get rid of the, and that probably goes back to my marketing style too, which is that if you're not willing to just put in the work and do the work and you want to argue and act like we have, we don't have hours. It's not a college class. We don't have, you know, you're back in college, you're sitting around or whatever, wasting time, smoking weed or whatever people, we don't have that kind of time, man. You're either a young man in a hurry or a young woman in a hurry or just, just get away, go read someone else. I'll tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. I, I threw something up on my uh, Instagram last night, uh, you know, and, and talking about, you know, that, that typical thing we all hear, Hey, the five, you know, people that you hang out with, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if you're, if you're hanging out with the five broke guys, then, you know, you're going to be the number six broke guy and on and on. And, you know, and Hey, if you're smoking weed, then whatever. And I actually, I, the picture, I was working on something with our, uh, with our Mindset Squared podcast, and uh, I poured myself a little tiny pour of the uh, Pappy Van Winkle, and I was enjoying that and working through some podcast stuff. And so, you know, at the top, I've got a picture, you know, that kind of resonates with me personally, right? But the thing below, I wrote that whole thing geared towards my 17 and 18-year-old sons, and I wanted them to see that and say, hey, you know what? Yeah. I shouldn't be doing that. Actually, one of my sons, you know, shot me a message and said, dad, I'm not smoking weed. And I said, I'm not saying you are, but you know, if you're with those five people, that's going to be the thing. And so it's a little nuts and bolts. And you know, that goes back to some people resonate with that and some don't. Right. Yeah. No, I actually had an epiphany before I knew anything about before I had a system like I do now, but I was, we would go to the trailer and we would all smoke weed, which is a very cool thing. There was one of the guys who, he had, you know, like a little plot of land and there was just a, I don't know if you call, not like a trailer park, but just a trailer, camping sure. trailer or something. And we just all go out there and like smoke weed. And it was like kind of fun. I did that for, I don't know, a month or two. Right. And then one day I looked around and everybody was just high. And I thought, this is the rest of my life, man, just smoking weed, getting high. And then I went home and I never talked to them again, but it was very emotionally painful for me. This is what people don't realize is, it, it, you, I'm not a robot. It was emotionally painful for me to not be around those people, but I just realized, Hey, this is going to be my life, you know, just smoking weed all the time, sitting around uh, doing that. And is that really where you want to be? And people don't think, Oh no, I'll be different. I'll, no, you won't be different. If the people you're hanging around or you get caught up, people don't realize how easy to get caught up. You hang out with weed heads. Well, weed heads, maybe one of them has a gun one day and you're driving and you get pulled over. And the, the cops stop and they find a gun in the car seat. Well, guess what? You're all getting arrested for that. And right. constructive possessions, it's called. Now you got to, oh, now you better find a lawyer. There, there's, the, it just leads you down a certain path. And that's why it's always better to just cut people out absolutely. Because even if that one thing isn't bad, you have to just know that you're going to get caught up. Because dumb people... Or irresponsible people do irresponsible things, and that carries over through all areas of their lives. You know, this is probably one of the most interesting pieces of information I think I've ever heard from you, is what you just said right now, and, and resonates with me 
to a level where I'm almost teary-eyed now because I had the exact same experience in my life. Um, I had these guys that I was friends with in high school, big crew of guys, and awesome growing up with them and everything. And um, one day, you know, a couple of years out of high school, we're sitting in a cruddy apartment in, you know, outskirts of St. Louis, Missouri. Everybody's getting high and drinking Budweiser. And I went up to 7-Eleven to go get a candy bar because I never, I, you know, I was never into weed and stuff. And I realized, holy shit, I'm going to be in this apartment 18 years from now or 17 years from now. And I was trying to tell these guys that, and this is, this is what's so fascinating is you and I didn't even talk, we've never talked about this before ever, but I remember telling these guys, Hey man, I want to open up a business. I want to, you know, I'm thinking about buying a, a small apartment building. I'm going to live in one of the units and, you know, I, I want to open up a restaurant and I want to do, you know, I want to do this. I want to build all this stuff. And I literally, I, I put this on my, my Instagram post last night, completely aimed at my two children, my two boys. Um, I have three kids, but this, this was aimed at the boys was don't share big dreams with small thinkers. And I remember going to the 7-Eleven and I'm getting a candy bar, getting something to drink. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, am I going to be here in 18 years, you know, smoking weed, drinking a Budweiser with these guys and, you know, basically working at the pizza restaurant down the street and living in the outskirts of St. Louis, Missouri? Is that really what I want for my life? And at that point, it totally hit me. And I literally cut those guys out of my life. And I remember for weeks after that being like crying because I, I mean, where's all my, I had no friends. I eliminated everyone from my life. Everybody thought I was a fucking jackass, right? Um, and it's interesting. I had a conversation with a friend of mine a day or two ago, and I was telling him a story about this one guy that I grew up with that, you know, still works in the same place that he did when we were, you know, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, that's great if that's what makes you happy. It wasn't what made me personally happy. And I certainly don't want that for my, my two boys. Um, but yeah, your experience is exactly parallel to my experience. I had the exact same experience and I had, to, and it was painful. I don't know if it was painful for you, but it was really painful for me at that time. Oh, sure. It was emotionally um, devastating. I would just stay home on Friday night, right? Like a loser. Cause back then you realize, you know, you know, your high school mentality is if you're staying home on a Friday, that's losers because when you have friends, that's when you go out and everything else. So right. I just stayed home and they would call me up and like, nah, man, I can't come out. I'm sick. I'm not feeling well. I always had some kind of, you know, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not going to say, sorry, you guys aren't really going the direction that I want to go. I didn't have the language to communicate. I I have language to communicate these things now. So I'm much more, now I could just say, hey, you know, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's great for you guys. For me, my life is just going in a different direction. And, you know, I hope, I hope we see each other down the road. Right. Yeah. But, your high school, you don't know. You just, oh, I can't come out tonight. I'm sick. I'm grounded or, you know, some kind well, of. Well, that's what happened to me. You know, I just started making up all the excuses, lying to these guys about why I couldn't go do it. And, uh, you know, eventually what happens, you're the guy they start talking about because you're, you know, the dickhead that didn't come and you're not, you're no fun. And, you know, we're going out to do, you know, the same thing we did the past 42, you know, Friday nights and Thursday nights and Tuesday nights also. Um, and all of a sudden you're the bad guy. and. Um, I don't know, man. It was really, really, really painful for me. That was one of the, as far as socially, 
it was one of the hardest things. It was one of those things I, I still think about from time to time. You know, I was really tight with this crew. And, um, and sometimes you got to go in a different direction. And, and, and that's, that's hard, you know, that's really hard. Yeah, you, the pain of, of going away, and especially when you're in high school, because a teenager, there, there's all kinds of things happening biologically. You're, you're meant to bond. You're meant to have a tribe. You're meant to have, this is all evolution. So it, right. it takes a tremendous amount of pain, really, to go against your DNA and your cultural programming. Because cultural programming is especially acute where, why are you home alone by yourself on a Saturday? You know, even, I don't know if you got this, but my parents would kind of like peer pressure me even like, oh, don't you have any friends? Da, da, right. Da, 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 right. Like you're Oh, yeah. I remember being, you know, being back at home and my mom, you know, I'd be over at my mom's house, my mom and dad's house, you know. Uh, eating something out of their fridge, you know, on a Saturday after this happened. And I'm just hanging out there because I needed some company. <laughs> I had an apartment, but I'm hanging out. And they're like, you know, they're asking, well, we're going out to dinner now. Uh, don't, uh, don't you have some friends to go call or hang out with? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this just, you know, it, it was hard, you know, and I didn't want to be totally honest with my parents about where I was. And I, I like, like you, I didn't have the language capacity or maybe even the mental capacity at that point in my life to be able to communicate that with you know, my peer group and my parents. And uh, it's like one of those things you feel it, but you're not sure how to, uh, to do that. I, I think that's a really important lesson for younger people out there is here's two guys right here who are successful in their own right that went through some really, really tough stuff. And it's not, sometimes it's not easy. I mean, you have to, you have to feel that pain, uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> who's that? Who's that? Grant, Grant Cardone says that, right? you got to, you got to feel the pain or you got to, you know, uh, embrace the pain to get through the, the, the process, if you will. And it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to, to do that. And I, boy, did I struggle with that in my early, early twenties. I mean, I'm glad I did it then because, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I was dwelling on this last night when I was writing this post, uh, directed at, at my son, I, I've got one of I, Someone in my family, I'm not going to get into any specifics, but someone in my family had a, a medical issue and I had to help out with that because there were portions of that that weren't covered by insurance. Um, so anyway, I have, um, there were some medical issues that weren't covered by uh, insurance and it was to the tune of about uh, $130,000, $140,000. And this has been something that I've had to cover um, two months ago. Now I'm in a situation where I simply wrote a check for that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it's because somebody that I dearly, dearly love that need, needed help. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was thinking back to that decision I made in that apartment or at that Seven Eleven, you know, all those years ago that had I have had my children, um, would I have been able to provide that help? if I didn't make that decision back then. And, um, and that really tore at me because the only reason that I was able to, to help was because of those sacrifices that I had made many years ago and in a lot of trial and tribulation. And, but there's a lot to be said for that because if you're able to financially help somebody and maybe it doesn't even and the ultimate at the end of the day, maybe it doesn't help them, but at least you're able to do it. You know what I mean? And give them a shot that maybe if I didn't make those sacrifices, I certainly wouldn't be able to write that kind of check. 
Yeah, I mean, you absolutely you wouldn't be. It's just factually you wouldn't be able to. There's no. Right. Yeah, there's no maybe. If so, just you wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Reality. And so that, that's really it's really tough, you know. But but I think that's that's another great lesson for people listening in, at any age, you know. If if but if especially if you're a young guy and you can preserve capital and you know pursue passions and things like that and make some money and you know God forbid you know maybe you don't have insurance and you fall down and you know, you break your knee and it's $30,000. You don't have to hobble around for two years or something, you know, but you know, or maybe, you know, your best friend gets addicted to cocaine and you've got to pay for rehab for, you know, two months or something. Uh, you're able to do that. Or maybe your mom and dad, you know, something happens and you're able to step in and help them. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And it's, you know, um, there's really, for me personally, and I, not everybody's like this, but for me personally, it, it just gives me a lot of security to work really hard and to do those things. Cause I can provide for people if, if it comes to that. Yeah. yeah and, and that's two different lines of discussion. One is the choices you have to make to make money and you will have to make choices. You, you don't have, and even now I'm learning as, as now with two, two daughters, I'm just, I don't know if short with people is the right answer, but I've always been pretty ruthless in terms of, Hey, you know, you live your life. I live mine. If, your life isn't on, on the frequent frequency. Mine is that's fine, but go live it you know, away from me. And now with two daughters, like you just don't have the time. You, every, everything you're doing has to be super focused and leveraged on a certain way, leveraged towards right. tools. And people don't, people don't think of it that way. You, if you're spending time with all these people just goofing off or whatever, you're, you're not going to have the time that you need to make other moves in your life. And that's why I hate the, there's this genre of self-help where rich men in their fifties tell everybody not to get rich. I, I really hate those people because they're such, first of all, they won't give their money back. So clearly they're just liars. And two is they had to sacrifice to, to make that. And they're telling people, Oh, you, you don't, you don't have to sacrifice. You can just do whatever you want to do. No, you can't. You, you just can't. It's impossible to do. You're going to have to make emotional sacrifices. You're going to have to cut people out of your life. You may have to cut family out of your life. And if you're not willing to make those sacrifices, that's fine. But you're not going to get your life to the level it could be. The end, full stop. There's no way around that rule. Right. And that is, well, that's the typical guru thing, right? That's the guys that are selling the dream. Um, but yeah, it's, you've got to make those sacrifices. And I, there were many years where, I would argue, you know, with, uh, you know, with my significant other and, Hey, why are you putting in so much time at the office or why are you doing this or why are you doing this? And I'll tell you none of that at that time, I couldn't make the argument. And then all of a sudden it came full circle over the past few months where, you know, my, uh, my ex, uh, came to me and just said, Hey, you know what, uh, for all those, all those things that you, gave up all those years ago. I'm so grateful that we're in the situation that we're in, that we're able to do what we could do. And, yeah. um, and sometimes it takes decades to realize that that sacrifice was worth it. And I only just realized that within the past few months. Well, and it's funny you bring that up too, because I, I never talk about my wife only because I'm such a prominent public figure and people spin that to what it's not. But yeah, we do kind of have those conversations where like me, I spend a ton of time at work and a ton of time with my daughters. Like Cyber works with me and hangs out with me and everything else. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, the women, they need that time, just that couple's time or whatever. 
And I told her the other day, I'm like, hey, hey, look, if you want to, we can go move to Phoenix, Arizona right now, and I will never have to work another day in my life. And then she was like, well, I was like, no, no, no. Like, I, it was a sincere offer. I said, look, we can sincerely right now move to Phoenix, and I, w- I would just, I will never have to work ever again in my life. And then that sort of puts it into perspective for them. But it, there's always, yeah, when you're making money, there's always that thing where, the the spouse is usually gonna be like, well, you're working so much and you're working so much and, and everything else, but you, you have to. You you ha- and first for me, I guess it is because I love doing it. Right. So I, uh, that that's one thing I guess that I'm blessed and that I I enjoy the work that I do. But there's no it's hours, hours and hours. I wish the number one thing I wish people knew about me when they listen to my podcast. I wish they knew how hard I worked and not only how hard I worked to this day, but how hard I was working. I'm a loser today compared to how I was in my early 20s. And I, mm-hmm. I really wish they understood how much work you really have to do. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's never ending. And it, there are a lot of sacrifices to be made. And um, it's it's never easy because you have to make those choices. You know, um, yeah, I've got this client that I've got to go deal with. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, Max, you know, my son, I, I want to be at your soccer game and I've been to the 10 other soccer games, but I'm not going to be able to be at this soccer game. You know, I've got to go to New York for this meeting or whatever. And, you know, that th- those things just happen. I mean, it's just part of life. Right. I mean, I wish that I could, you know, live in Valley and, you know, enjoy, you know, a tiki hut over the water or whatever. And, you know, uh, whatever, but it's just not, it's not reality. And it certainly wasn't reality 15 or 20 years ago when I had no money. I mean, it's just, was not an option yeah and and they yeah they don't always people don't always appreciate that where you can't it's it's one of the the paradoxes of life which is you can't live the life you live if you don't put in the hours you're putting in i remember i'd watch these reality shows where thank god this is not my situation i have a great wife there there was um a situation where the doctor was this is like 10 years ago whatever right because i don't watch reality tv now this is back when i was with somebody who was much, you know, not really on the level that, that I needed. And the woman, the wife would be like, wow, wow, wow. Why are you working so much husband? But they just bought like a new mansion for like five or $10 million or something. And a lot of men find themselves in that situation where they try to placate their wives and the wife says, I want this bigger thing. And then they buy this bigger thing. And then the wife is like, well, why are you working so hard? It's like, well, you got to buy this bigger thing. Right. Right. And they, they don't always appreciate that. And fortunately, that's not our situation, as we both know. But I'm sure there are some guys, at least listening in, they're probably divorced, listening in, or like, yeah, they, they, remember, they remember that situation where you right. really have to work. But on the flip side is, you, I wish there were easy money. Like, there isn't. I grew up poor. It was terrible. I'm sure that, you know, one day my kids will say my dad worked a lot, but my, you know, my daughter, she goes to art, just things, the, the life my daughter lives and we're not even, you know, blowing money or whatever is incomprehensible. I think about this every day when I'm with her. Well, just, uh, you were, you were saying that you, you grew up in a household with six people, uh, what an hour and a half, two hours outside of St. Louis, Missouri, um, in a very, very moderate home, what a, a one bathroom, three bedroom home or something, uh, that was probably worth 40 or $50,000. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with six people. I mean, that's that's a pretty remarkable uh, place to come from, from where you are today. And it really gives you some perspective. Um, it, 
I have never lived. I, I shouldn't say when I was growing up, I didn't live in that situation. I have been dead broke though. And uh, yeah, that's not a fun place to be. Um, yeah, I've been dead broke too. It's worse as a kid because as an adult, you think you can figure it out. But uh, yeah, well, I'm with my daughter. I remember when I was a little kid, I was thinking about this the other day. My dad was like, oh, I'm going to take us all to Walmart and get us presents. And he bought us like pillows, right? So for me, like nine, 10 years old, like they're going to buy new pillows for $7. And that's I mean, we like, laugh at, we, we, yeah. we both laugh now, but I mean, it, you know, really it's, it's sad, you know? Yeah, no, it, it was, but so I'm with my daughter, I'm reading her books and I, I look around, I'm like all the stuffed animals were on a bean bag that I bought for her because when she was six months old, she couldn't sleep and the bean bag was like $500. And Shauna actually doesn't really, she's kind of a, whatever the op, she's thrifty. So the opposite of spendthrift, she was like, you're not going to buy this for. And I'm like, look, man, I want my daughter, you know, she, she likes it. She, it's a beanbag thing. And, but the, the advantages that she has, she'll never appreciate because she didn't ever go without them. Just the right. idea that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm reading to you. You have all these new books. You're reading books. When I was a kid, we read the Bible. That was the only, that was the only kid's book I ever had, which ironically probably is why I'm so smart because I had to, you know, read all this King James Version stuff. And that, that's a great way to increase your verbal intelligence and verbal IQ. But I didn't have the kind of life that my daughter already has. And really, ironically, not ironically, but I misuse the word ironic all the time. I think a lot of people do. I, I, it makes me not more left-leaning, but I think about all the advantages my daughter has that I just yes. didn't have. And you realize how rigged the game is from jump, from, from day one the game is rigged in favor of my daughter now. It wasn't rigged for me, that's for sure. It was rigged against me, and now it's rigged for, and I think a lot about how we can even that out and try to make it a little bit more fair as a society. And I don't, I don't have any answers yet, that's for sure, though. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, and that goes to that, that talk of, uh, you know, privilege for different types of people. And um, there's arguments for or against that. You know, I, I think everybody loves the underdog story of, you know, the person that comes from, you know, the $40,000 house, uh, uh, you know, with six people living in it, or, you know, the story of, you know, the person that comes from, you know, an inner city ghetto and rises to, you know, the heights of, uh, you know, uh, becoming a general or, you know, some type of, uh, uh, you know, uh, political figure or a senator or something like that, or the CEO of a corporation. I mean, those stories are fantastic. And, you know, the United States does certainly provide that opportunity. Um, and I think a lot of what you and I are talking about is that there is massive sacrifice, though, to get that. Um, it's not easy because the system is, in, in a lot of ways, rigged against you. Um, in, in, in many ways, not, not just, you know, not having money, but there's a lot of stress, you know, that comes from not having money too. You know, how do you get from point A to point B if, you know, your car is a pile of crap, right? And how do you get, uh, you know, your kid into this better school and how, do, you know, if you don't have money. So there's all those things to think about, but there is a, there is a path and I don't know about other countries, but certainly here in the United States, if you're willing to put in many, 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 and then a few more hard years of work, you can change where you are. You can change your station in life. But you're right. It is uh, the system is certainly um, tilted one way or another.
Yeah, and it is worse than other, and that's the whole point. That's why I always, and we keep this apolitical, but that's why I'm always been pro capitalism because without capitalism, it's so if in a capitalist society is rigged against you, yes. Without capitalism, it's rigged against you and there's no way out. So at least you have a way out. At least you have well, right. a If you live in North Korea, right, you're assigned a job, you do that job. If you don't do the job, you get shot and you're taken to the gulag, right? Mm-hmm. One of those two. And there, there is no upward mobility unless you happen to be married to somebody who's in the, uh, you know, the uh, reigning, you know, dear leaders, uh, you know, hierarchy or whatever. But um, you're right. Yeah, you have that in a capitalistic society. And I think the problem is, is that a lot of folks, a lot of young people, especially, you know, they look at it and it's a long ladder to climb to get to get to success. But it is possible. But you got so long that. and you're still climbing it. Uh, and I'm, yeah. you know, I still have days where, as you know, when you put money in your businesses, suddenly you're broke again. Right. That's the no, no, nobody yeah. ever talks about that, where you finally, you know, you're, you know, I can't speak to you personally, but, you know, me, I, I do well. And then I'm like, OK, I'm going to invest in all these businesses. But then suddenly you don't have any liquidity and right. then you have like a cash flow thing. So even believe even, me, being in the real estate space, I know all about that. Right. You know, I'll have money burning a hole in my pocket, right? millions of dollars in capital ready to deploy. And then, you know, talk to me three weeks later and I'm like, eh, I don't know if we should go to that nice of a restaurant or not, you know? So yeah, I actually was like, Shauna, you're, there are too many Amazon boxes coming in, you know? He's like, they're <laughs> double that. I'm like, you know, it's a bad month, man. It's been a bad month. You got to. That's right. Like, but I thought you did all the, I'm like, I know, but I don't have the money, you know, right? I don't have, there's. Yeah. I'm like, we're not poor, we're illiquid. She's like, what do you mean? Yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we're not poor, but we are illiquid. We you don't just tell her to money. listen to the podcast. You know, right, you're going exactly. to have to listen to Mike and Mike talk about right. this. Right. She certainly didn't want to talk about that when we went to dinner the other night, you know. Yeah, but yeah. She, she can listen to the podcast, right? And and you can explain those differences. Uh, if she cares to, she probably does not, which is. Thankfully, which is why I love her. If she cared to listen <laughs> to it she'd be a different person. And then right. rather than balance my lunacy, she would be a lunatic too. And it would just be two lunatics running around screaming at each other all day. So <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad she's not listening to this podcast. Too funny. All right. So one last question here. I'm going to, when we're done here, I'm actually going to head to the cigar shop because I'm going to pick up some cigars for this event that I'm holding uh, this weekend. And what do you recommend that I get? That'll be a crowd pleaser. Okay, great, great question. So if you're, if you're bringing cigars for people who are not regular cigar smokers. That's what this will be. Then the Avo, um, Avo Classic and the Tube, they come in a beige colored tube. They're mild to medium. They're, it's good quality tobacco. And then you can't, you can't go wrong. If you gave people who don't smoke cigars like a Neho Shark, they'd be in the corner, you know, the nicotine, they'd be, they wouldn't be able to handle it. It'd be a little bit too much. Right. Uh, you can you can't go wrong with the the Avo Classic and the tube. It's clean. Plus, it's a very because uh, cigars it's an experience. So they unscrew the top of the tube and they pull it out. There's a cedar strip there, and there's more of an aesthetic and kinesiological experience with the cigar. And that's what I like when we have our cigar nights in. Um, you know, we're rotating around, but when we have them, that's what I always buy. I always buy ten or fifteen of those. And then I get a few Chateau Fuentes, which is a little bit more heavier tobacco. And then I get a few Padron 1964 Maduros, which is a little, it's going to be a kick in the butt for people who aren't used to it. 
and yep. that's kind of the range that you would want to use. Yeah, you always have a real nice selection at those events. Uh, real nice cigar selection. I mean, considering that it's always held at a different cigar shop, right? But uh, you know, it's um, uh, you always have a real nice selection there for those, no doubt. You know, and I was thinking something. Next time you're up in Napa Valley, we should do an episode that that kind of talks about this a little bit. And I think people would be really interested in this. And that's uh, find one of these high-end winemakers here in Napa Valley that does some of this marketing that you're talking about um, where, you know, they're taking, say, a normal bottle of wine that's maybe a 40 or $50 Cabernet, uh, Napa Cabernet, and they're able to label that and market that differently uh, to get that price point way up. It'd probably be really interesting to talk to somebody like that. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. I love to, I love to think about it, but the we should definitely do that. And the Carlito Fuente, I tell you, man, the smartest thing he ever did was he made that movie about himself and the company brand. I think everybody should have their own movie about themselves. It's actually, to me, it's surprising that most people don't. Well, there'll be a Cernovich movie, I'm sure, soon. One day, one day, one, one day, day we'll do one. You well, haven't I mean, lived enough, Mike. You've got to live more before you can do the movie. Well, there's actually a big, um, there's a book coming out that has a bunch of stuff in about me. Are you, are, hey, are you lighting that cigar up right now? Of course. We're at, oh, okay. we're, well, might as well. I mean, smoke them if you got them, right? Well, I, yeah, you got to have the, uh, you got you to gotta live maybe a few more years to have the Cernovich movie because I, I, there's a lot to the story that's yet to be told. There's a lot of life left, that's for sure. That's a lot of life left. You probably want to do that like, you know, a few years before you're gone, right? You want to get the you want to get the full story unless you do a sequel you could do like sequels like second and thirds episodes and stuff. Well, Pumping Iron was Arnold's big coming out movie, and he was twenty eight when that hit. Well, and yeah. Prince was pretty young when they did Purple Rain. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that launches the 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 personal brand too, like it did for Prince. Yeah, if you can carry it. the 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 bigger question is is less. It's less whether you've done enough and more along. Can you carry a film by yourself? Which is, I remember watching Purple Rain thinking, who is Prince? Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that when it was out. I, you know, I was a uh, teenager at the time. I remember thinking I never heard Prince before that, right? I mean, maybe I had heard Little Red Corvette, but I didn't right. know it was Prince, you know? Um, but then they came out with Purple Rain and suddenly everybody knows who Prince is. Yeah, and, I could. Uh, so I could have carried a film... I, because I've, I've been doing my, my big focus in 2019 has been only on my businesses. So I've been doing less stuff, but making sure it's more highly leveraged. So I could have carried a film circa 2017 when I was doing the college talks and the White House reporting and the running and gunning kind of stuff. Right. I could have, and that was when a film crew actually for a, they're, they're doing a big Netflix special actually on media personalities and, they follow me. They got footage that I'm envious of and they can't even, they don't even license it. So I oh, could really? they won't, and they won't let you have it. No, I could, I could have carried a film 2015 to 17, 2018, maybe 2019. Most of what I'm doing is what viewers would consider boring supply chain distribution issues, you know, launching new stuff. It isn't, it isn't that sexy stuff. Here's me at the white house and here's me, doing all this other stuff because all that 
stuff that I did that was really sexy, it does not, it doesn't pay the bills to put it that, put, put it that way. Right. I was going to say you're, you're in a mode now where you're uh, starting to get things in, in line to monetize. Right. And as everybody likes to say, in the parlance of our times, you're wanting to monetize. So. Well, I'm launching, a, yeah, I'm launching a big skincare line and that's going to, that's my big project for the year. And that there's not like really a story there. Oh, here I am on the phone. Here I am, you know, testing creams. Here I am yeah. doing this or that. This isn't the kind of thing that an audience would be captivated by, but my life in 2015 to 17, it was unbelievable. It was captivating. And in hindsight, I should have had the people who did hoaxed. I should have had them just follow me and all that. We, the footage was amazing. And right. that, you know, it, it didn't happen. But by the way, that's fine. I'm happy just being a boring guy and running businesses that are actually profitable rather than, oh, wow, look at me. I'm this famous guy or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with my social media stuff. You know, since we started the podcast, I, uh, you, you, well, you would coach me to, hey, you know, you got to get out there and do, do some of the social media stuff. So I've, you know, got the Instagram account and I've got the Twitter account and all that stuff. And, you know, it's a, it's a little hard to kind of find your, your way in that. And there's things like I'm experiencing or I do in life and I'm like, Oh, that would have been a really cool thing to put out there. I think people would have liked that, but you just, you know, you're not, you're not capturing that in the moment, but I'm trying to do more of that. So it's uh, you, you're, you're definitely right about that. There's, there's great stuff out there. Well, you'll, yeah, you'll find your, um, you'll find your stride and, mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, you have to find your voice. There's a, there's a lot to it, which is you got to find your stride. You got to find your voice. You got to find your message. You got to find the, the market fit. What do you have that people want that overlap? And I think this is a good, the, the, the brand that we're kind of building, they're not, you know, that's a weird way of putting it, but there really isn't luxury experiences for people of all political backgrounds where you can just hang out like our cigar right. nights, for example, we do these cigar nights. There's just so many smart people, all walks of life. Nobody cares if you voted for or against, nobody even talks about politics, which is the beauty of it. But right. if somebody slips up and goes, Oh, I'm a Republican or whatever, nobody cares. People are like, okay, well, good for you, whatever. And yeah. there, there isn't, and, and that's why we're doing this thing together. There isn't that right now. That's a huge huge demand for people who just want to hang out, talk about life, do things without the Trump mania or anti-Trump mania or Trump hysteria or whatever the case is. And that, and that's the vision for the pot. That's what we talked about when doing the podcast too was, Hey, you know, we want to keep it. No, no pro, no anti-Trump, no Clinton, no Obama, no anything. Yeah. And there isn't anybody doing that where you just hang out, talk about this stuff and don't let that lunacy from the outside world get into this. Yeah, and there's there is some real interesting stuff there without getting into into the politics and stuff, which um, you know people really get a lot out of. And hey, the podcast has been doing fantastic. I mean, you know, it's um, you know for the short time that we've been doing it, folks have really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, for the podcast, it's doing well. Yeah, it's getting its own little following, and that's what you learn too about um, starting your new stuff. Is it's like an S curve. You, you you know you you get your little thing here for a year, and then. Phew, and then you really kind of right. take off. And people forget Joe Rogan's podcast was doing 
30,000 views maybe five years ago because right. – and then you, then you hit that S curve, and that's what most people think. Well, I think, you know, one of the, one of the things um, – and, you know, maybe we could talk about this on, on um, uh, maybe next week on our, our next uh, recording. But there's a guy out there um, called DC Drano. Uh, you had given him a shout-out. Right. And he talked about uh, Instagram uh, in building a uh, – how to build a following and whatnot. Which is really interesting, but one of the things that I think that you and I are doing with the podcast that applies not necessarily to, you know, uh, Instagram, but just is the consistency. We've been really, really good about doing it every single week at the same time. And I think that's part of it is, is getting it out there and recording it and just being real consistent with instead of, you know, hey, let's do it this time. And then, you know, you don't do anything for six weeks. And then, hey, let's do three of them. And, you know, we, you and I have been really, really good about that, that level of consistency, which applies to anything in life, really. I mean, I found that with my real estate business and everything else. If I don't send out postcards, if I don't make phone calls, if I don't, you know, talk to sellers, if I don't talk to buyers, if I don't talk to other investors and, and all these things on a regular basis, then you tell yourself, oh, I'll make it up next week. I'll call it and it doesn't happen. Cracks. And, yeah, we should, and, and your quality's not yeah. as good. No, we should, yeah, we should, we can do a whole episode of that cracks. Like my, my mantra for this year was quit letting things fall through the cracks. My whole life was like 2018 and a lot of it's excusable because of blah, blah, blah. But I would just, things would fall through the cracks, missed opportunities and in, in your real estate, missed deal flow. Oh, you had a right. deal wise of this done. Even me with the skincare thing, I was taught, you know, I, we were supposed to be launched four months ago, but one thing through another, through another fell through the cracks. So this year I'm just super disciplined, super focused. Everything is about nothing falling through the cracks this year. And, and, and that's, but, but that's the fun of it too, is you're always leveling up in life if you keep going. Right. Yeah, you just keep building on prior successes and adding things and trying different businesses and different things and seeing what takes. And, you know, uh, I think you had mentioned in a prior podcast that, you're, you know, you're going to try four or five, six things out there. And one of them, you know, will go over the fences, but you're probably going to have, you know, three, four or five swings that don't really go anywhere. Maybe you hit a single and that's okay, right? You just build on the next thing. And sometimes when you get into a business, you know, let's say a guy goes out and he starts, a, I, I don't know, a landscape business, you know, and he figures out, well, you know what, I don't really like cutting grass and I'm not making a ton of money in that. But man, these people keep paying me a lot of money to do this landscape design in their front yard. You know, maybe there's something to that. And all of a sudden, you know, business A leads you to business B and business B turns into be a home run. So, you know, I always advise people, you just got to get out there and make it happen and put in your best effort and things flow, you know, life flows. And, you know, success flows to you if you're really putting in the time and the effort to do the best you can do at whatever it is at the moment. Perfect, man. Well, always a pleasure. And I see yeah. the new podcast is up, the Pappy Van Winkle thing. If that's on YouTube too, I'll make sure to go download that and promote Yes. It. Yamazaki 18 versus Pappy Van Winkle 20. Incredible. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Mike.